Lee May continued his hard hitting. He leads down RBIs in this series with eight. Pete Rose, hitless the first two games, has bounced back. He's had four hits in the last two games. He had a home run yesterday. The Reds are waiting for Johnny Bench to break loose. He singled yesterday in the eighth inning. Tony Perez made the play of the game for the Reds, a backhanded stab off the bat of Boog Powell to rob Powell of a double. Clay Carroll has been a great relief pitcher in this series. He won the game yesterday. He's now gone eight and a third innings of shutout relief. Here's the big blow of the game. Lee May crashing the homer to left field. The first pitch served up by reliever Eddie Watt. The Cincinnati Wise finally had something to cheer about. And so did the dugout as May is congratulated by his teammates. The Reds think now that maybe things have turned. That maybe they could come up with a momentum that will carry them on in this 1970 World Series. That was yesterday. Today. NBC Sports presents Game 5 of the 1970 World Series. The National League champs, the Cincinnati Reds. Versus the American League champions, the Baltimore Orioles. Brought to you by the Gillette Company. Makers of right guard deodorant and right guard antiperspirant in the silver can. By Phillips 66, the performance stop. At Phillips 66, it's performance that counts. And by Chrysler Corporation. Extra care in engineering. Your host today, your local Chrysler Plymouth dealer. It's been raining all morning in Baltimore. However, the rain stopped about a half hour ago, and at 12.30 Eastern Daylight Time, the tarp was removed from the field. Hi, everybody. I'm Kurt Gowdy of NBC Sports. With me, Chuck Thompson, the voice of the Baltimore Orioles, roaming the stands. He may be busy today. Tony Kubek of NBC Sports. The weatherman says that we can have continued rain. It may be one of those off-again, on-again affairs with the ground crew busy. The fate of a World Series game is in the hands of the commissioner of baseball, Bowie Kuhn, working with the advisement of his umpiring staff. Neither team took batting or fielding practice. The diamond does not drain too well here, but uh, it is in fairly good shape. Now to tell you about the starting pitchers, and they're both question marks, and we'll have quite a spell here. The ceremonies that we've had the first four games of the series have been dispensed with, and. Uh, they're going to let these pitchers warm up. We'll have the national anthem at 1 o'clock, and then it's going to be play ball. But to tell you about the starting pitchers and their respective problems, here is Chuck Thompson. Thank you very much, Curtin. Again, good afternoon, everybody. And uh, these are uh, problem-type pitchers this afternoon. Both have the same sort of a problem. And uh, you see out in the Cincinnati bullpen right now, the left-handed Jim Merritt. Merritt, a 20-game winner for the Reds, and he has had his problems. Uh, he suffered a strained elbow in the first inning at San Francisco on September the 8th and has pitched only twice since then. He went three innings, a run and four hits against the Dodgers on the 26th of September. And then he went five and a third innings with a run and three hits against the Pirates October the 4th in the second playoff game. And he feels that he is just about 95% ready. Uh, I'm sure that he will start this afternoon, of course, weather permitting. And then it will be strictly up to Merritt and to Sparky Anderson as to how far he can go. Now, for the Baltimore pitcher, here is Mike Cuellar, and he also has an arm problem. For the first time in 1970, over the past week or so, Cuellar has been taking heat treatments for a sore shoulder. He also has a rather sore hip. So both Merritt and Cuellar this afternoon face the same problems. They will warm up. They will make an effort to start. And it's strictly up to each individual as to how far he will go this afternoon. So we have a couple of great big question marks in Cuellar and in Jim Perry of the Cincinnati Reds. And that's the story on pitching for game number five. And now let's go downstairs to Tony Kubek. Thank you. With me, the manager of the Cincinnati Reds, Sparky Anderson. Sparky must have been quite happy and elated after yesterday's victory. Well, we sure were, Tony, but we're still down three to one. But the only thing I'm proud of, I told them that my kids wouldn't quit. I don't think they'll quit today, and we sure want to take them back to Cincinnati. Uh, what's the status of uh, Jim Merritt warming up in the bullpen right now? Well, 
if he goes to the mound, uh, Tony, I'm going to say he's 100% because I think that's what the baseball fans deserve. Jimmy will do the best he can. I know this, but we're liable to use just everybody down there today. Sparky, it's your first World Series after a long and distinguished minor league career in baseball managing. Uh, how are you taking all the pressures and the sidelines and the magnification of a World Series? Well, let me tell you, Tony, they told me before what a thrill it would be. Nobody in this world can ever know until they play in the World Series. It's the greatest event you could ever be in. And any kid that's young and wants to play baseball, he'll just work as hard as he can to get in one of these. He'll never forget as long as he lives. You know, in yesterday's ball game, Sparky, and that was very well said, quite inspirational for young kids thinking of a baseball career. But you finally got one of the booming bats of your big three going. Lee May pulled you out of a jam, and that must make you feel pretty good, too. Well, it made me feel so good, Tony, because Lee and Lee me and Tommy Helms haven't had the publicity the rest of my players have had and I know as a manager what they've done for this ball club and that's why I was so happy to see Lee do it. And you know you've got a shortstop in there now Concepcion although Woodward has done a great job for you all year long but he hits the ball pretty well he's gonna have a pretty good future you've got a lot of young kids. You know I said I wanted to play him in a World Series to make a man out of him Tony I think he's already showed us he's a man already. He sure has he's come through under pressure and Pete Rose has now started to swing the bat he's got four hits in the last two ball game is hitting the ball very very well, so you may be on your way and going. Tony, if we can win this one, I honestly have a, just a hunch that we're going to set a record that's never happened in the World Series. Sparky Anderson, good luck to you today, and the remainder of the series, thank you so much. Well, thank you, Tony. Thank you for being so good to me. Thanks, Sparky. Let's go back upstairs. Now, here are our batting orders for today's game. For the visiting Cincinnati Reds, they'll lead off with Bobby Tolan in center field. Remember, they switched yesterday and moved Tolan from two to one, and they're going to stay that way. Pete Rose will be playing right field, batting number two. Tony Perez is the third base, hitting third. Johnny Bench is the cleanup man, catching. Lee May is at first base. He's the man that the Orioles are having trouble with. May's at first base, hitting number five. They're platooning in left field again. Hal McRae, a right-handed batter, goes today with a left-handed pitcher working for the Orioles. And McRae's had four hits and eight times up in this series. Tommy Helms is the second base batting seventh. They're leaving Concepcion in the lineup. He's stung the ball. And Jim Merritt is the pitcher. That's the batting order of the Cincinnati Reds. And that's Merritt in the background out in the Cincinnati bullpen. Now the batting order for the home team, the Baltimore Orioles. Mark Belanger will be leading off at shortstop. Paul Blair's in center field, batting number two. Frank Robinson in right field, hitting third. Boog Powell at first base batting cleanup. Merv Rettman making his first start in the series is in left field. We're going to have Chuck Thompson come in and talk about this fellow. He's quite a, quite a story. Brooks Robinson at third base, the leading hitter in the series and the leading fielder. Dave Johnson at second base, batting seventh. Andy Etchebarren, a right-handed batter, being uh, played today as catcher with a left-hander starting for Cincinnati. And Mike Cuellar is the pitcher. He started the second game. That's Cuellar warming up and quickly down to Tony Kubek. With me, the manager of the Baltimore Orioles, Earl Weaver. Earl, what about uh, the condition of uh, your pitcher today, Mike Cuellar? Well, he has had stiffness late in the season after every one of his starts, and he had it in between uh, his last start and this start. But he's loosening up. Uh, the humidity is high here, and if he breaks a good sweat, it shouldn't bother him too much. Earl, should should something happen? I don't want to speak in a negative vein that something happens to that hip or, or the arm stiffens up. Who would you go to? Do you know yet? Well, probably uh, Tommy Phoebus or Dave Leonard, uh, depending on the situation. It looks like if I'm going to have to pinch hit. I might bring Leonard in to get out of an inning and then bring Phoebus in to fr uh, pitch a fresh one, maybe three, you know, until the next pinch hit situation arises. Earl, you know, in baseball, and I know back with our Yankee ball clubs, it seemed like the power hitters got all the publicity. But you're in our defense, and everybody knows Brooks Robinson, but you've got a couple guys that are underrated as far as I'm concerned between Brooks Robinson and Boog Powell. That double play combination you've got could be the best in baseball. I think they are right now. They've been working together now four years and they've improved each year and they can turn it as quick as anybody in the American League I'm sure. Earl you're playing Rettenmund today I guess according to the lineup. Is there any reasons for that? Well I played Rettenmund a lot toward the end of the season. Uh, he was our club's leading hitter and I played him a lot against left-handed pitching. I spotted Donnie against left-handed pitching maybe took Paul out once in a while to rest him. And uh, I just think that we might get a little more power in the lineup. Uh, Donnie hits most of his homers left-handed, and Rettman naturally hit 18 right-handed. Earl, I see right behind us at home plate. The umpires are coming out. I'll let you go. Thank you so much. Good luck. Okay, Tom. Let's go back upstairs to Kurt. Chuck, uh, 
tell us about Merv Rettman. He's a, a part-time player here. Many baseball experts say he could play on many teams and be a star in the outfield. I believe that's true in the American League particularly, Kurt. There are many outfields that he would be able to play regularly for Baltimore as a part-time player this year. He had 18 home runs, knocked in 58 runs. He is an adequate defensive outfielder. He has a, a power and a lot of power to right center and right field for a right-handed batter. And also, Kurt, he has a very good idea of the strike zone. As a matter of fact, in his fine minor league career at Rochester, he was a leadoff batter. And he has served in that capacity for manager Earl Weaver. Uh, he is part of what manager Weaver refers to as the finest bench in baseball. And Rettman, who came in to fill in for Paul Blair, who was uh, struck in the face earlier this year, uh, did a very, very good job. And I think when you look at a fellow who has had maybe 330-plus at-bats and has hit 18 home runs and knocked in 58, you've got quite a ball player sitting in the dugout. He was a great athlete at Ball State. If memory serves me correctly, and I hope I'm right about this, Kurt, he was drafted kind of high by the Dallas Cowboys. I think they uh, drafted him about number four as a running back. But fortunately for Baltimore in baseball, he stayed with us. All right, let's uh, take a look down the field now. Cuellar still warming up. Meeting at home plate, Earl Weaver with his back to you. Pete Rose receives that extra $500 a year for being captain of the Cincinnati Reds and uh, the umpires behind on plate today will be Bill Williams of the National League. Emmett Ashford is the umpire at first base of the American League. Ken Burkhardt of the National League at second. John Flaherty of the American League umping at third. Tony Venzon will be working the uh, we'll have to check these foul lines. We have him on the left field uh, foul line with Bob Stewart on the right and we'll confirm that for you. Uh, Kurt, there's just one comment about Pete Rose now. Uh, yesterday when he came up in the same capacity, Earl Weaver uh, turned and headed back for the dugout, and Pete Rose kept saying, Earl, Earl, Earl. And finally, Weaver turned around, and Pete Rose said, I'll see you tomorrow. He's always the optimist, a very, very positive thinker. Pete Rose, the captain of the Cincinnati Reds. The umpires are taking their positions. Repeating again, it has rained all morning in Baltimore. Sometimes fairly hard and about 12:20, the rain stopped the tarp was removed at 12:30, a half hour before scheduled game time so the home plate area the pitching mound and the infield should be in good shape we will, will not promise you though that it won't rain again today you know this Baltimore weather Chuck anytime you're alongside a great body of water I, you know you can have changeable weather Kurt the game hasn't even started I've got to make a correction Cowboys drafted Rettman 12th not fourth excuse me Oh, well, we pause briefly for station identification. This is the NBC Television Network. Ladies and gentlemen, please rise and join in the singing of the national anthem, which will be played by the first U.S. Army band from Fort George G. Meade, Maryland. stripes and stars that flew over Fort McHenry. The inspiration for our Star Spangled Banner. The fifth game of the 1970 World Series being brought to you from Baltimore as the Cincinnati Reds meet the Baltimore Orioles. Fires were wrong on the foul lines. Yeah. 
just put him wrong. Allen had him right. Who's throwing out the first ball? I hear the umbrellas are popping up all over, starting to rain. As the Orioles take the field, it starts to sprinkle again, and the umbrellas pop up through the stands. At first base is Boog Powell for Baltimore. Dave Johnson will play second again. Belanger is the shortstop. Brooks Robinson at third. Merv Rettman at left field. Paul Blair, the center fielder. Frank Robinson in right. Andy Echebaron behind the plate. And Mike Cuellar went two and a third innings in the second game at Cincinnati. Gave up four hits, four runs, walked one, and struck out one. The lights are on. And the Reds in the first inning send up Bobby Tolan, Pete Rose, and Tony Perez. Here's the batting order if you keep score along with us. That Cuellar will be facing today. Quickly Tolan in center field. Rose in right. Perez at third. Bench cleanup catching. Lee May hitting fifth at first base. Hal McRae in left field batting sixth. Tommy Helms at second base hitting seventh. Dave Concepcion at shortstop batting eighth. And Jim Merritt will pitch in bat ninth. Mike Cuellar tied McNally and Perry for the most victories in the major leagues this year. 24. Center field, number 28. Bobby he came from Houston along with Elijah Johnson in a trade for Kurt Bleffrey after the 68 season. It's turned out to be a blockbusting trade for the Orioles. Cuellar's won 47 games in two years here. Bobby Tolan fouls it back, jumping right on that first pitch. Tolan has had four hits in 15 times. He's hit safely in each game, one hit in each game. Series batting average of 267. Breaking pitch over. Colin bluffing the bunt. Robinson was charging from third. These seats are all out in the open here in Baltimore. The crowd has been held down. It's rained all morning. Side. We've had a capacity crowd every game except today. The tickets are all sold for today. Maybe some brave ones will still be moving in through the exits. One ball, two strikes. Change of pace. Turned it over on him at screwball. A slow one, too. Dolan strikes out. This game authorized under television rights granted by Major League Baseball solely for the entertainment of our audience. Any publication, reproduction, retransmission, or other use of the pictures, descriptions, and accounts of this game without the express written consent of the Commissioner of Baseball is prohibited. Pete Rhodes. Batting 250 in the series. Ball one. He was hitless his first two games. Now he's had four hits the last two days. He's had a homer and two RBIs. Ball two. Cuellar has a fastball, a curve, and a screwball that breaks just the opposite of his curve. The screwball breaks away from right-handers, and he can be tough against a right-handed lineup. Brings up an interesting theory, and he also throws a slider. Right. There's the commissioner. But his hat is studying the situation very intently. He makes the decisions as to the fate of this game. Dick Forbes, the vice president, advertising manager of Chrysler Corporation alongside of him. Foul back out of play, two and two. Tony Perez on deck. I've got to watch giving those titles, Chuck. Sometimes I demote him and sometimes I elevate him above. You could be in bad trouble. <laughs> 
One out, nobody on. Two and two count to Pete Rose. We've just started it's a wet day in Baltimore. There's a fly ball down the right field line. Tough chance. It's in for a base hit. Rose is coming for two. It gets away from Robinson. Rose hit the dirt. And had he rounded the bag, he might have gone for three. He thought it would be a play on him at second. And let's take a look at uh, Cincinnati's Charlie Hustle, uh, Pete Rose, as he uh, took Cuellar the other way, which is what a lot of right-handers will do against the screwball of the left-handed. And this is the way Rose plays the game, just 150% each and every time, whether the ball is there or not. He's not taking any kind of a chance. Pete Rose. Give Rose a double. He's on second, one out, and Tony Perez up has had only one hit in 14 times. Reds are waiting for him to break loose. Right, getting back to that screwball theory. I remember years ago when Mel Parnell was pitching with the Red Sox. He was a had a good screwball, a left-hander. Casey Stengel one day pitched uh, hit all left-handed batters against him instead of right-handers. A ball figuring that the screwball really made him a right-handed pitcher because it was breaking away from right-handers and in the left-handers. On deck, Johnny Bench. One ball, one strike to Perez. Foul ball. We have a mutual admiration society in this World Series. Tony Perez has been praising Brooks Robinson. And yesterday, Robinson gave Perez quite a compliment for the great stab he made in the eighth inning off the bat of Boog Powell. A Rob Powell of a double in the left field corner. One two pitch. Perez was hot coming into this series. Sparky Anderson looking on. Came into the series with a nine game streak. But he suddenly cooled off. One ball, two strikes. Power hitter, 40 homers during the year. Fastball, foul back. One and two to Perez. Crazy Horse is the nickname the Orioles have given Cuellar. why more pitchers don't use the screwball it can be tough on the arm An unnatural delivery and you're rotating the arm in the opposite manner two and two all three the most famous screwball pitcher of course was Carl Hubble of the New York Giants his arm is still bent <laughs> three and two Throws the second one out. That fly ball hit out to left fielder Rettman. Rose holds the second or two down. And the batter is Johnny Bent. Who's had three hits and 15 times up. Batting 200. One homer. Two RBIs. After the opening game here in Baltimore, Johnny Bentz had a tough day. He went 0 for 4. But after the game was over, he got on the team bus to go back downtown, and he spotted a, somebody grabbing a purse from a lady out in the parking lot and called the attention of a Baltimore policeman, and the, uh, the would-be uh, criminal was apprehended. And Bench's comment was, that's the only thing I've done right all day. Two down, Rose at second. Cuellar was born in Santa Clara, Cuba. Lives now in Puerto Rico. He likes to pitch in hot weather. Likes to break a sweat. There's a drive in the right field, a base hit. Here comes Rhodes around third. And the Reds grab the lead, one to nothing. On Bench's single, the right center. 
Lee May has swung a big bat in this series. He's carried the burden at the plate for the Reds. He leads the series in RBIs with eight. He knocked in four runs yesterday. He's had two homers. Batting 429, and he has played a fine first base. And they're removing the tarp in the Baltimore bullpen. We're going to have some action out there. There's the drive, hit the deep left. Bretman going back. That ball is off the wall. In the third is Bench. Coming in the second is May. And they still can't get May out. A double off the left field wall. Missed a home run by five or six feet. Here's a good look at that awesome swing of Lee May. And now uh, as he doubled off the left field corner that brings Bamberger out of the Oriole dugout. And as uh, Curtis pointed out if there's to be a pitching change for the most part here is the look in slow motion now at that great powerful swing of Lee May. You know Chuck he really didn't hit that ball on the fat part of the bat. He is so strong that he, that he uh, nearly hit that home run that's Beavis warming up. But he really didn't get the good wood on it. Well, he's a little bit like the Oriole Boog Power insofar as a uh, Boog Powell insofar as his strength is concerned. He really does not have to get it on the fat of the bat. If he just gets a little bit of it, he's strong enough to hit it a long way. Cuellar is having first inning troubles again out at Cincinnati on Sunday. He gave up three runs and three hits in the first inning. Earl Weaver says that's his pattern sometimes that he has to get loose. And if he can get by the first couple of innings. He becomes tougher. All right, the Reds have runners on second and third, two down. They're leading one to nothing in the top of the first inning. Fastballs foul back. Hal McRae has had four hits in eight times, one RBI. He and Bernie Carbo have been alternating in left field. Benches at third, Mays at second. Oh! Side the ball. McCray attended Florida A&M University. Born in Avon Park, Florida. Lives now in Bradenton. Broke his right leg. The winter baseball in the Puerto Rican League. A couple of years ago, said he back. A hot smash foul. And they're teeing off in Cuellar. One ball, two strikes. Just a slight breeze today. It's very humid here. And no breeze right now. The drive to right center. That'll score two runs. It's all the way back to the wall. McCray going to second. And holds with a double. And the Reds have come up with three runs in the first inning. Cuellar with a double, a single, and a double, and a double. Every ball's been hit hard. Tommy Helms, the batter. That's Phoebus. I think Etcher Barron's out there to stall for some time to give Phoebus more time to warm up, and we may see Earl Weaver popping out of that dugout here in a moment. Three runs in, two down. McCray at second. Top of the first inning. Tommy Helms. Reds picking up where they left off yesterday. Tommy Helms up. Ground ball to short. Belanger to Powell. The sides out. Three runs in for Cincinnati. Four hits. There were no errors and one left. At the end of the first half inning, it's Cincinnati three and Baltimore nothing. The Reds have Lee May at first base. Tommy Helms at second. Concepcion the shortstop. Perez at third. McCray in left field. Tolan the center fielder. Rose in right. Johnny Bench the catcher. And Jim Merritt. Who's had tendonitis in his left elbow. He pitched five and a third innings in the playoffs against Pittsburgh. Won that game. Gave up just three hits in a run. But had to leave when he tired. He has not pitched much the last few weeks. 
suffered a strained elbow San Francisco on September 8th and has pitched only twice since then. So not only his elbow is a question mark today, but I would imagine his stamina. Tom Phoebus is still warming up in the Baltimore bullpen. Here's the Baltimore batting order. Belanger at shortstop. Paul Blair, the center fielder. Frank Robinson and right hitting third. Boog Powell at first batting cleanup. Merv Rettman at left. Brooks Robinson at third batting sixth. Johnson hitting seventh at second. Echeverin catching and batting eighth. And Cuellar pitching and batting ninth. Jim Merritt, 26 years old. Born in Altadena, California. Lives now in West Covina, California. Used to be a clubhouse boy and also a ball boy for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Belanger leading off. Fouls it out of play. Belanger's had one hit in 14 times in the series. This is Jim Merritt's ninth professional season. Began with a Twins organization in 1962. Pitched for the Twins in the American League three and a half years. The second year with the Reds. Ball one. Merritt is one of the best control pitchers in baseball. He's averaged only two walks every nine innings this year. Five times he pitched complete games this season and didn't walk a batter. Led the American League in control pitching in 67. Ball two, two and one. Cincinnati's out in front, three to nothing, last of the first inning. For those that keep joining us, it rained all morning here. Foul ball, two and two. The tarp was taken off a half hour before game time. There's a Merritt's record this year. He has a high earned run average for a 20 game winner. But he's tough when he has to. Slow curve has popped up. Perez, the third baseman in foul territory, puts it away. One out. Paul Blair has six hits in 15 times up. Batting second, playing center field, number six, Paul Blair. Blair's World Series average, 400. Foul into the stands. On deck, Frank Robinson. Merritt had a freak accident this year. He fell off a house painting and uh, hurt himself. Got a late start in spring training. Maybe he was up chasing a toy or a kite or something, as I recall. Getting his son's kite, that was right. Two and one. A kite nearly proved very expensive for the Merritt family. Could have injured himself permanently. Two balls and a strike to Paul Blair. One out, nobody on. The bunt, the beauty. Perez could do. Let it roll. Two and two. With the rain of threat here, we go by the rule book on an official game today. If the home team is behind, they have to bat through the last of the fifth inning for this to be an official game. Series programs getting double coverage today. Two balls, two strikes to Paul Blair. That one's going to drop in for a diving grab, but it's a base hit. He trapped the ball. Great try by McCray, but it's a base hit by Blair. They'll give McCray a hand for his effort. Well, we'll take a look at uh, the uh, great effort from McCray once more. 
Here is his all-out effort to make it on the fly. And as you see, it hit right in front of him. And you've got another fine call from umpire Tony Benson down on the left field side. McCray with an all-out gamble. And no doubt, the Reds naturally cannot afford to lose. They're going to play it that way. Frank Robinson. Four hits and 17 trips. Batting 235. You know, only one time has a ball been hit out of this stadium. And the man at bat did it back in May of 1966 against Louis Tion of Cleveland. Ball one. He hit it over the left field stands into a parking lot beyond. Measured at 460 feet on the fly. It's quite a poke that we'll show you on our camera. Curve for strike. The left field stands. He cleared them. Blair at first, one out. Three to nothing, Cincinnati. Two and one. See the white houses through the trees. Maybe you haven't seen the World Series here previous two games. Strike two. But the batters all complain that sometimes the ball comes out of those white houses and causes trouble for the hitter. Not so much with the left-hander pitching, though. Slow curve, foul back. Two and two to Frank Robinson. Frank went nine times to the plate without a hit. When he came home in the Memorial Stadium, though, he warmed up. 2-2 pitch to him. Curve is inside, three and two. Let's see if they start Paul Blair now. He's on first, one out. The count three and two to Frank Robinson. and look at Robinson unload on the breaking ball from Merritt. And it's just a towering high fly that just went straight as a string. Didn't veer one way or the other down the left field line. And Baltimore is back with two runs. And here's Boot Kirk out. Wayne Granger starts to warm up. The strike to John Powell. Powell batting 250 in the series. Three hits 12 times. He's had two homers and four RBI. Outside. Merritt has not been sharp with his control, just missing. One and one. The on-deck batter, Merv Rettman. High fly to left center. Maybe in a hole out there. Nope, going back for it. Concepcion with a fine play. Long ways for a shortstop on that one out into fairly deep left center. And it had to be Concepcion because against Powell, naturally, center fielder Colin as deep as could be. And Concepcion traveled a long way. And that's not the easiest kind of a catch to make in a ball game with your back toward the target and running, moving as Concepcion was. Fine play. Merv Rettman. Born, lives in Flint, Michigan. 27 years old. Inside to him, ball one. Led the International League in hitting in 1968. A part-time player last year in this year. There's a foul ball. 
And he's creating a very pleasant problem, isn't he, Chuck, for Earl Weaver? They don't know what to do with him. They want to play him, but it's hard to find a spot. Well, it is a problem, uh, but Weaver has learned how to handle that problem very well. If ever a manager made full use of all 25 men in his roster in winning a title this year, Earl Weaver has done so. One ball, one strike. Two down, nobody on. Outside, two and one. Brooks Robinson on deck. Granger continues to warm up for the Reds. The curve has popped up. Perez backing up gives way to Concepcion. And Merritt gets him out. Two runs on Frank Robinson's two-run homer. Two hits, there were no errors, nobody left. And at the end of the first inning, it's Cincinnati three, Baltimore two. Those are the Reds' coaches, Ted Klazuski. At first base, Alex Graham is at third. Klazuski still has about the biggest pair of arms in Major League Baseball. Dave Concepcion will face Mike Cuellar in the top of the second. Cuellar, his lifetime record. Concepcion. Two hits and six times, been hitting mostly to right center and right field. That's ball strike. He had a triple yesterday to right center. Fouls a curve off. He was born and still lives in Venezuela. Every year he's improved himself. Especially in hitting. The two strike pitch to him. Ball one and two. And the light rain has stopped again. Out. The umbrellas have been put away temporarily. You see some weird outfits, Chuck, in a rain day at a baseball park, don't you? You really do. They defy description. They really do. One ball, two strikes. Two and two. Nobody on, nobody out. The Reds are ahead three to two in the top of the second. Pop up. Going back is Johnson, the second baseman for it. One out. Jim Merritt is up. Merritt, Fergie Jenkins of the Cubs, John Odom of the Oakland A's. The only pitchers in the majors this last year who hit three home runs during the season. Right. Bob Tolan on deck at the top of the Reds batting order. One and one. One out, base is empty. To Cuellar is probably the most superstitious fellow in this series. Kurt, if there is a more superstitious ball player in the game of baseball, I'd like to meet him. He is extremely superstitious. I'll tell you about it later. That's foul to foul. Number one, he has to be warmed up prior to every game by pitching coach or bullpen coach Jim Fry. He must have Elrod Hendricks stand up there as he warms up as a batter. He will not allow anybody to pick him up in the course of the game other than the man who is catching him. In this case, it'll be Echebarren. Strikes Merritt out with a fastball. And still another, you cannot throw him the ball. He has to go pick it up. In other words, you deposit it on the mound, he'll walk out there and pick it up. Hmm. Two down, nobody on. Bobby Tolan struck out in the first inning. Reds have three Number runs, four hits. Baltimore, two runs, two hits. 
In that first inning, the right-handed batters all went to the opposite field, except for Lee May against Cuellar with their base hits. One and nothing to Bobby Toler. Two and nothing. Bobby Tolan, the cousin of the late Eddie Tolan, the gold medal winner in the 100 and 200 meter dashes in the 1932 Olympics. That's hit down to Powell. Easy play for him. And the Reds are down one, two, three in the second. We've gone an inning and a half with a score. Cincinnati three and Baltimore two. The Oriole coaches are George Stoller at first, Bill Hunter at third. Brooks Robinson has already see, received his ovation when he came out of the dugout. Brooks has the most hits of any batter in this series. Eight hits, 16 times up, he's batting 500. Perfect day yesterday, four for four. Ball one. The last man to get four for four in the World Series was Lou Brock for the Cardinals against the Tigers in the first game of the 67 series. Her strike one and one. On deck, Dave Johnson. Prior to Brooks Robinson, the last American League player to have a four for four game was Bill Dickey in 1938. Now ball. Bill Dickey living down in his native Arkansas. Pursuing his favorite sport, quail hunting. One ball, two strikes. What a catcher he was. That drive is out to deep left. McCray back. Pulls it in. One down. Earl Weaver. Two and a half years he's managed this team. Dave Johnson, two hits and 12 times. But has been a sure-handed second baseman in this series. Joined us late, that's Wayne Granger. They keep him warming up in case Merritt's elbow goes suddenly. The Reds scored three in the top of the first. Frank Robinson hammered a two-run homer in the last of the first for the Orioles. It's three to two Cincinnati. One ball, one strike. Rained all day here and we still have, the weatherman says, more rain to come. Maybe we'll get lucky. One-one pitch. Oh. Two and one. On the subject of rain, that was one of the quotes from Sparky Anderson yesterday after the game. Uh, he said, "Well, a little rain wouldn't hurt." Catch your Baron on deck. Three and one. His pitching staff has been hit hard with injuries. Every extra day. That he can get would help him, especially for his reliever, Clay Carroll. Three and one to Dave Johnson, one out, nobody on. Johnson's on. Kurt, mentioning the pitching problems of Sparky Anderson and the Cincinnati Reds, you just need two names to give you an idea of the problem. One is Simpson and the other is Maloney. And you take those two fellows out of the World Series and it has to create a tremendous gap. Yes, and McLaughlin now has a swelling in his upper right arm. He's doubtful. And of course, Merritt has been plagued with his tendonitis in his elbow. Four top pitchers. Etchaburn fouls it off. Johnson at first, one out. 
Etchebarren is hitless in four times. Twins and the Reds made a fine trade for both clubs in November of 68. Curve is high. The Reds needed pitching. They got Jim Merritt. The Twins needed a shortstop. The Reds gave him Leo Cardenas. Trade has worked out very well for both teams. One ball, two strikes. Merritt's only 26. Barron's on first and Cuellar the pitcher coming up he's not a bad hitter back the Cincinnati Scott report be careful with Cuellar McNally and Palmer they can all hit you'll notice today with the rain all morning that when the balls are hit through the infield they're being slowed down by the wet outfield grass. You might see somewhere along the line a player stretch what would be a single into a double. So the outfielder will have to come in and charge the ball. Pete Rose grabs it on the run. Hit hard by Cuellar. Two down. Sparky Anderson. Now he doesn't. He wants to come out here. The last two men, Etchebarren and Cuellar, have racked Merritt. Also Merritt had walked Johnson after one out. Sure, he's asking him about his elbow. Kurt, as we look at uh, Sparky Anderson talking to Jim Merritt, uh, everybody should remember the fine catch Boob Powell made yesterday on the steps of the dugout uh, off a ball hit by Johnny Bench. Well, it was none other than the Cincinnati manager, Sparky Anderson, who kept Powell or was there to keep him from tumbling into the dugout. A fine gentleman, a fine pro. Wayne Granger is coming on to pitch. So Jim Merritt with a bad elbow is going to be lifted and there's a break in the action here at Memorial Stadium in Baltimore the score Cincinnati three Baltimore two. Now let's go down to Tony with me down in Mr. Joe Cronin's box is Bob Short the owner of the Washington Senators and David Eisenhower son of our president and David this year you've had an especial interest in baseball and maybe you can tell us why well as a matter of fact, thanks to Mr. Short, uh, I had an opportunity to work for a big league club and to see how one operates from the inside. This is something I've always dreamed of doing, and uh, Mr. Short and Mr. Burke and the Senators made it possible. I've got to ask Mr. Short if you were the one that engineered that McLean trade. No, I, think, I think he's almost as critical of it as uh, the manager, but uh, I know both the manager and David understand that uh, if we wanted McLean, we had to pay a price, and while it was a big price, I think that in June or July, we'll know whether it was too much or not enough. Bob Short, David Eisenhower, thank you so much. Let's go back upstairs. Wayne Granger, born in Springfield, Massachusetts, lives in Huntington, Massachusetts. He attended Springfield College. The second game of the series. Pitched in the third game and fed up that grand slam home run to Dave McNally. 1-6, lost five this year. Earned run average of 2.65. He had 35 saves during the year. Two and nothing. Belanger fouled out his first time. He's hitless now in his last 12 times at bat. Two down, runners on first and second. Last half the second. Hit the left. 
throw comes in the third base. And Baltimore tied it up. Belanger getting his first series RBI. Etchebarren held at second. Belanger's at first. That run is charged to Merritt. Paul Blair single left for the first inning. Three to three. Each team has four hits. In an odd series, leads haven't meant much in this series. The Reds had a three nothing lead in the first game, four nothing lead in the second game, and the Orioles overtook them. Curve strike to Blair. Time called in right field. Cincinnati player running out to the bullpen. I hope he's more successful getting through the gate than they were <laughs> yesterday. One strike. Two away. Wide back up by Granger. Gray throws way off the plate. Looks like he had a real shot at Etchebarren. Well, here is the uh, tie-breaking base hit, and uh, it was never in doubt from the moment the ball hit in left field. Billy Hunter was sending Etchebarren, and you see how far offline was the throw from McCray in left field. Take the lead, four to three. Frank Robinson hit a two-run homer to left his first time. The Landers at second, Blair's at first. That was Paul Blair's seventh. That was Paul Blair's seventh hit of the series. Tony Cloninger warming up. Ball one. They'll have everybody in the store out there today. The four runs are charged to Jim Merritt. A high fly to center. Colin, plenty of room for it. The Orioles are out, but they take the lead. Two runs for Baltimore. Three hits. No errors. Two left. At the end of two innings, Baltimore four and Cincinnati three. This 1970 World Series is being seen via satellite in Puerto Rico and Caracas this year. Also seen in Taiwan, China for the first time and heard in the Chinese language. Seen in many other countries throughout the world. And on land and sea, the games are being carried via the Armed Forces Radio. Remember the 1920s when they used to do the World Series by telegraph around the country. They had a big diamond downtown, some office. Right, the people would gather there in the street corner to watch and hear the progress of the play. Rose doubled his first time. One strike to him. We are low with the curve, one and one. Earl Weaver told me before the game, he said, Kurt, I leave Quayar in longer than I would normal, normally. To try and give him a chance to really loosen up, even though he gets hurt in the first inning. Rose rounds out second to first. Quayar led the American League in complete games this past season. Pitched 21 complete games. Number 24, Tony Perez. Tony Perez flying to left. Now they're starting to warm up Tom Phoebus. Ball one. Bench on deck. Two Cubans facing each other right now. Boyar and Perez. Slams it to left. Merv Retnam is there. Two down.
Tom Phoebus. Number five, Johnny Bench. No, and the bullpen's really interested in the ball game with the newspaper out there. <laughs> Johnny Bench, single to right. Fouls are back, knocked in a run in the first inning. Should we protect him and say it had to be the sporting news? Lee May, the on-deck batter. One and one. Baltimore ahead four to three in the third. 